Welcome to the Time Out with Josh podcast. So uh, we are diving back in, and this is going to be a part two podcast. We're going to dive back into the Duggar bullshit and all that stuff. So before we jump into that, remember, we are still looking for those fucking fantastic sponsors. So we're still looking for those. If you want to sponsor the program, help keep us on the air, support us. Um, you know, you get a product or service you uh, want pushed out there at a very, very low cost to get that name out there. Um, definitely hit me up here on Time Out with Josh on Instagram. Also, same for guests. We've got a guest list that we're compiling right now of guests we're going to have on the air. So we're uh, we're definitely going to be bringing those on as we get um, some more equipment and things like that to be able to do so. We're definitely going to do that, and I'm super stoked. I'm sitting here sipping on my Black Rifle coffee, my, my calf, my Charlie Alpha Foxtrot, I am, in not, I am not in any way uh, promoted or supported or sponsored by them. I just fucking love the shit out of their coffee. It's fantastic. It's, uh, it, it's, it's good. It's really fucking good. So we're going to dive right into this, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. We're going to jump right back into it. So there was a lot of feedback. People listen to the podcast and they're like, Josh, um, you know, heard about the Duggar stuff, heard about all that stuff going on. <clears throat> Want to know more about the program. Want you to dissect the program, et cetera, et cetera, on what you experienced and what happened to you. Um, you know, all those, all those fun, fun things. Um, and, and needless to say, none of it was fun, but you know, it, it was what it was. Um, you know, I had to deal with it. So we're going to talk about it. Um, first of all, again, to reiterate, this is no, um, you know, no reflection on how I believe my parents raised me as, you know, wanting to be in a cult or anything like that. It happened. It happened because of the powers that be in the cult. Um, I really don't believe Bill Gothard started the program off to be a cult. He just got into the power trip and he got the money and he got the people following him and it just felt fucking good. I mean, we know how cults get developed. Um, there's a couple different ways for them to happen. <coughs> Excuse me. And this is one of them, you know, no intention to develop one. The following gets huge and, and people basically worship the ground you walk on and you become God among men. And that is, uh, yeah, that's what happened. So let's get into it. So again, we know about the Duggars and we know about them being, um, you know, in this program and to set the record straight, because I had a little fuck face decide to come onto my TikTok and be like, they're Mormon, leave Mormons alone. We know it's not a cult. I'm like, I never said Mormonism was a cult. I, I never said that once. And secondly, since I know the Duggars, they're independent Baptists. They're not Mormons. You fucking idiot. Um, do some basic research. All you got to do is Google what religion are the Duggars and it will come up first thing, like right on Google that it says that they're independent Baptist. Now, keep in mind, the crazy part about it 
is the church that they're in, they're not even the largest family. So keep that in mind. It's crazy. But they they rise to fame and then we the Josh Duggar, you know, um, you know, shit that's going on and and looking into the backgrounds of Josh and him going to jail. And now unfortunately Janet Duggar is in the limelight. And and I'm gonna simply just say this, guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna be really, really fucking blunt and honest with you. I think I, I think the stuff with Janet Duggar would not have even been brought up or talked about if it hadn't been for Josh. I will still stand by the fact that um, Jim Bob Duggar needs to fucking stop his election campaign. Um, You're only bringing more negative light to your family. Uh, You know, you're a politician. You're a prior politician. Step the fuck down, dude. Nobody wants to see your helmet-haired head in fucking office, um, except for people that think like you. And and that's sad. Um, Just step the fuck down. And yeah, and I said it, helmet haired head. Um, I have no respect for Jim Bob. I have no respect for Michelle zero whatsoever. So, um, we're going to dive into this. Um, and we're going to, we're going to dive into the fear, the, the fear, uh, promulgating that's done by the Duggars that's in, in look at that because again, again, they're, they're a forefront, um, you know, they're what people see of this program, but the Bates, um, you know, any of these families, it's, it's, um, things that you're going to see. It's the backwards logic of this program. Um, and we're going to dive into that more because it it was requested. It was fucking requested. So we're going to fucking talk about it. So let's do it. Uh, so what is ATI? ATI is the biblically based program that I was in. It's a homeschool program that lets Christian families integrate their kids um, and and daily and hours long moral learnings of, you know, life um, with really, 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 really tiny, um, uh, tiny, 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 like blurbs, if you will, of uh, secular teaching. And when I say secular, I mean, literally normal everyday life. I don't mean secular as in like Satan worship or fucking, you know, porn. We're talking secular as in like, you know, they integrate the Bible into everything as the basis of the teaching for biology, chemistry, anatomy, and physiology, which again, we already talked about that before, but they don't teach sex ed. Um, and I'm going to talk about that effect that it had on me, um, you know, and stuff like that. So not, not super secular. Um, I, I am sorry if you're my dog in the background, guys, uh, he, he has decided to make himself a little spot in the office here. And sometimes he makes some noise. So, um, here in the, uh, the office slash studio, uh, so basically there it's, it's pillars included doing exactly what's expected, like instantly and cheerfully. Um, that was a huge thing. It was taught about. It was like, if your parents said do X, Y, Z, you would say, Oh, I would love to, and immediately go and do it. It's called instant obedience or instantaneous obedience and cheerfulness. You're supposed to do everything with a smile, do it cheerfully as unto the Lord and do it instantly. And I'm like, okay, so I'm going to do cheerfully as unto the Lord. If it's the Lord, if God tells me to do it, I'll do it cheerfully and instantly. No, dude, I'm a fucking human. 
I'm going to even, I, God tells me to do something that I don't want to do. I'm going to not do it so cheerfully. I mean, guys, if you look at the Bible, you look at the teachings in the Bible, right? Um, you, Jesus went and he prayed in the garden of, of Gethsemane. And he actually prayed to God. He said, God, if you would let this cup pass from me, not my will, but nevertheless, your will be done. Funny fucking ironic that he sits there and prays to God himself, knowing what he had to come to earth for. If you study Christianity and know about Christianity. And he said, I really don't want to do this. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that that wasn't very cheerful. In fact, it said he cried so hard. Um, and he prayed so hard, his sweat turned to, to blood. So I'm going to go with not super cheerful. So strike number one, you fucking idiots. Um, don't ask questions. Don't ask questions like the patriarchal standard, you know, father, mother, um, and then even older siblings down to you. If you're the baby in the family, you're fucked. You are fucked. You basically get to tell your pets what to do. You don't get to ask questions. You don't get to say, hey, um, what about this? What about that? No, 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 no. Because that's rebellion. That's fucking rebellion. What they do teach you, on the other hand, is... um appealing to authority like the donkey by the way <laughs> and i'm not shitting you on the outside of their on the outside of their booklet on appealing to authority is about the donkey and they talk about the power of the donkey and you appeal to authority now appealing to authority is a great concept it is a great concept not the way they teach it but it's a great concept okay the concept of appealing to authority is a, is going to the authority with a solution to a problem that you perceive or think is going to come up so the authority says i want you to do xyz you go to you go back to them and say hey you know what um i was looking through this and um, you know, I can see why you, why you want to go with this route. I, I think it's, I, 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 you know, I can definitely understand why you're going to want to go with this route. I do, however, see that there could be a problem in going with this route. And this is what I see. And you lay out what you see, and then you lay out a, uh, another possible solution to it. And it's up to the authority to say, yes, no, we're going to go with your idea or we're not. But you bring a solution, you and, and guys, that's just general problem solving in, in general, right? I mean, more people could learn about this shit in in day to day life. So if you remember what I said in my prior podcast, what I said was some of the principles that are taught in this program are good. The problem is, is they fanaticized a lot of it. They fanaticized so much of it and twisted it so hard and so much that it became very, very toxic. Okay. Um, the other thing is you're supposed to shield yourself from influence or humans that might lead you off the beaten path. Literally, sometimes, you know, like literally get you beat. Okay. Um, so the, the path that we're talking about here, you hear this with, um, you hear this within the Duggars, within the Bates on TV. Now, keep in mind, I have no clue if the Plaths are in ATI or if they're just fundamental. Okay, I I really don't know, and I haven't looked into it. If you've ever seen Plathville on on uh, on fucking, uh, I think it's TLC. Um, you'll know what I'm talking about. I'm gonna put a dip in, guys, while while we're doing this. So take a brief break for a second. Pause this shit. Whatever you gotta do, I'm gonna put a dip in. Okay, 
So, not sponsored by Copenhagen, but love me some Cope. Um, so, you look at those principles that they that they have in place or that they've instilled in place. And again, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bring the plas into it, but I know that they've become like a super hyper fundamental family that people have seen on TV. Um, I have not done my research on the plas. I'm just gonna flat out say it. I haven't done it. I don't know. But, but we're going to talk about the mindset of the Bates and the, and the Duggars only because you see it guys, I could bring up hundreds and hundreds of families that follow the exact same principle. So we're, we're using them as an example. We're not honing in on them as the exception. Okay. The Bates and the Duggars are not an exception. This is like normal amongst families in this program. Okay. So when they say you're not, you're supposed to shield yourself from influences or humans that might lead you off the beaten path or may uh, cause to astray or cause you to go astray are their words or look at things that are inappropriate for your eyes or (laughs) stupid shit like that. Um, what they're literally talking about is do not surround yourself with anybody other than people that are in ATI or IBLP unless they have the same standards you have. Well, first of all, there are um, maybe a handful of people that have those same standards. And that's why people think that they're that these people are Mormon because they hold to high standards. But guys, I have Mormon friends. I have Mormon friends that don't even hold to the same level of standards that these people do. I, I Church of Latter-day Saints, I have friends that aren't even that strict. Like, good friends. And I'm not bashing the Church of Latter-day Saints by any means. I don't know enough about it. I literally, as much as I know about the Church of Latter-day Saints, is they go to church on Saturday instead of Sunday. They have an amazing choir that sounds great at Christmas time. And and they're they're kind of strict. Other than that, I don't fucking know a thing. And the super, super fundamental versions allow you to have multiple wives. That I do know. Other than that, I don't fucking know. I don't. I know more about the Catholic Church than I do about them. Right? But we're we're talking about this. And guys, let me let me tell you. Let me backtrack here for a second. If this program, if this ATI fucking bullshit program was inclusive, anybody could join. You could be a part of it. If you follow along their like principles and teachings of be a city set on a hill, not easily hidden, which is in the fucking teachings that they talk about. It's one of the very fundamental foundations of the Sermon on the Mount. And they talk about it all the time. Why are they not allowing people that are not Christian into it? If people want to be in the program and understand what the program is about, why can't they allow them in? They will not allow Mormons in. They will not allow Catholics in. They allow very few Lutherans in. Like I said, they allow, you know, New Order Amish, Mennonites, Methodists, Baptists, Episcopalians, Presbyterians. They allow them in. But if you if you're a Buddhist, if you're Muslim, if you're um, Mormon, if you're Church of Latter-day Saints, Mormon LDS, if you are um, Catholic, you can't get into this program. They won't let you in. It's a club. 
It's a fucking club. And the funny thing is, is like, why, why in the world would they not let Mormons in if this so this all of a lot of this lines up with what I understand is Mormon conservatism, not the principles themselves, but the conservatism of the Mormon faith aligns up with the conservatism of this homeschool program. Why wouldn't they fucking let those people in? That is some bullshit. All right. That is some bullshit. And, and I don't get it. I don't fucking get it. But they don't want you to be led astray. They don't want you to be influenced by outside influences. They want you to be in the certain churches because then they know they're good. They don't want you to listen to certain music. Like, guys, basically, you can listen to acapella music and you can listen to anything without, like I said in the prior podcast, anything without syncopated drums. Drums, period. Drums, period. Like, I went to these, these events in Knoxville Tennessee at University of Tennessee where they'd hold these events and they did not have a single drum there. There were violins, there were trumpets, there were trombones, there were pianos, there were guitars, there there were all sorts of instruments other than drums. I won't even say no percussion because they had cymbals. The thing is, you stupid fucks, you can actually make syncopated music with a goddamn guitar. That's the standard that I'm talking about. That's the standard that I'm talking about. The there is nothing in the Bible that says you can't be that you can't drink. There's nothing in the Bible that says you can't play drums. Drums were a, drums were a huge thing in the Bible. Drums were a huge thing of its day. But they they went to no drums, and then they said, "Oh well, wait, we can't say no drums. We're going to say no syncopation. We're not going to have syncopated fucking music." What the fuck, man? Seriously, that that I mean, guys, D. Snyder, the the lead singer of Twisted Sister, a guy that you would look at, he's got the curly blonde hair, party animal dude, right? You look at him, he is the he is the the antithesis of '80s hair metal, the antithesis of it, and he is so brilliant. Like, if you ever get a chance to listen to D-Siders talk, that man is a genius. God, he has a beautiful brain. Along with, like, Alice Cooper. Absolutely brilliant men. Brilliant men. And D-Snyder testified in front of Congress when it was brought up that if you played records backward, that it was satanic, you know, subliminal messaging, satanic stuff and stuff like that. He was like, no, it's not. We're just playing music, man. And I get, okay, you don't like a certain kind of music. I don't like mumble rap. Mumble rap is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of in my life. You can't understand what they're saying. It's stupid as shit, and the lyrics are dumb. I've come out and said, I hate modern pop. I despise it. I hate modern pop. Yeah, I like certain songs, but I hate modern pop. Because Beyonce Beyonce gets an award, not Beyonce herself, but like her song Single Ladies got an award for like best written song or some shit. And and 12 people got up as writers of the song. 12? It took 12 people to write those lyrics and that music? You've got to be kidding me. You've got to be fucking kidding me. That's why I have respect for people like Chris Stapleton and um, Tyler Childers and Warren Zeters and a lot of these these younger artists that are coming up like on TikTok and social media that are writing their own music because those are artists 
And you want to tell me that I can't listen to that music because it's going to influence my mind in a bad way. All of a sudden, I'm going to be satanic because I listen to fucking, we're not going to take it. I listen to, you know, Fleetwood Mac. I listen to Chris Stapleton and that's going to make me evil. Now I'm supposed to shield myself from that. I have found my joy in music as a way to express myself because, yeah, I have a podcast, but I'll tell you right now, I am not outstanding at expressing my words. I've worked on that incredibly. And a lot of it has to do with this program. I'm not outstanding at expressing how I feel to my significant other and to those people that are closest to me. And I, and I have not done it well for many years. And music is my way to express. I hear a song and I'm like that, that, that right there. That's what I mean. And you want to tell me I can't use that song because of the appeal process. And because you don't question quote unquote question authority You don't think for yourself. They teach individualism, yet do not teach individualism. They teach uniformity, not individualism. Caused me to not be able to express myself well. Express my my disappointment, my frustration. Because it was told, if you're frustrated or angry, go to another room, calm down, and then express yourself. That is a great concept. Because you're taking emotions out of it in the sense of you're not going to call people names. You're not going to say things that you regret. I get that. I'm all for that. Hell, in in the life coaching that I do, I teach that. I do. But to sit there and tell me that I have to carefully word my words so that I am not seen as rebellious... Why can't I just express it? Why can't I express what I'm feeling without anger, bitterness, and using words against somebody in an evil way? Why do I have to express myself a certain way and use certain words so that I'm not seen as rebellious? That's why I had a problem communicating. And that, I mean, yeah, I have a podcast and I can talk about all sorts of random shit all day long. But talking to a person about how I feel without bringing in emotions, I went through years and years and years and years up until I was 18 years old of trying not to sound rebellious. Express your feelings, but don't. Express how you're feeling, but don't. You had to be so political about the way that you expressed what you were thinking that you became whitewashed. What you really felt never came across. What you really experienced never came across. And that's the that's the crazy fucked up part about it. Now again, IBLP was the one that started, right? IBLP is is the is the start of it and it and it gave the offshoot of ATI under its umbrella. The Advanced Training Institute, it was Advanced Training Institute of America. Now it's Advanced Training Institute International, so ATII. Not to be confused with the people that help with stopping sex trafficking, etc. The home education program, again, is just that offshoot. 
and it's dedicated to giving clear instruction. And this is quote unquote, this is from basic life principles. Again, dedicated to giving clear instruction on training on how to find success by following God's principles found in scripture. You can follow God's principles. I know people that follow Allah's principles. I know people that follow Buddhist principles. The thing is, is they teach not to be judgmental. They teach not to, to judge others. That's one of their biggest things. Do not judge others. Again, taught on the Sermon on the Mount. Don't judge others. Yet, this is the biggest group of judges on the face of the planet. Self-appointed, self-ordained, self, self-barred, whatever you want to call it, judges on the face of the planet. But we're not supposed to judge others. My thing is this. I have my beliefs. I make no bones about what I fucking believe. None whatsoever. I will say it all day long. But the thing is, is you believe what you believe. And when we get to heaven or get to the afterlife or whatever you believe and whatever I believe, and it comes down to it, and I've got to stand in front of what I believe is the judge. And I, I speak for myself. I don't speak for others. I live an example. I live my life and I go about doing it. If you want to know about it, ask me. If you don't, then that's on you. Don't ask me. But they judge others by saying, oh, you're lesser than me. So don't hang around me. Guys, I've got friends that have been in the worst possible situations. Drug addicts, alcoholics, people like that that have been in the worst situations that I've hung out with and just spent time with because I, I saw the kind of person that they really are. And they changed for themselves, not for me, not for others. They changed for themselves. And they're some of the most impactful, powerful human beings you've ever met in your life. But based on ATI, I should never hung out with them because if I did, I would be influenced by them. Yet the principle that they teach is train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he won't depart from it. Wait, why am, why are you training me to be this quote unquote, in their words, amazing, godly, upstanding human being, but I can't be around these other people. If I, if I was taught those things, why can't I be around them? If I'm strong enough, why can't I be around them? That's what doesn't make any sense to me. Okay. But they, they are hardcore. Like I said, this ministry in its heyday, 80, 90 million dollar a year ministry was huge because you had to buy all these like things. They sold tons of books. They sold programs. They sold um, experiences. If you're in the program, ATI, they sold experience over multiple thousands of dollars, things like that. Chalk art, alert, young men's, young women's counseling seminars, trips, etc. Like, keep in mind, when I went to Taiwan and I, I did work for them in Taiwan, I had to pay to do that. When I went to Russia, I had to pay to do that. They didn't send people over there and be like, hey, you know, we've got all these millions of dollars. Let's send you over there. No. Education programs, camps, youth academies, training sessions, all that stuff all cost the individual money. If you're if you're being a missionary and you're raising money to do it, that's that's the way they saw it. You're being a missionary. You're helping people. You're raising money to do it. That's how they saw it. I mean, that's. And, and I, I get that aspect. I get that aspect where we're talking $80 million, $90 million company. And, you know, you went over there 
And uh, like when I was in Russia, I lived in the facility with a roommate. Um, I actually had two roommates and um, we lived on, it was like a horseshoe shaped building. And there were a couple of buildings on the property, but it was a horseshoe shaped building that we lived in. And uh, there was, you know, like a, a cafeteria area that you ate at. And we were on, if you looked at the building face on, we were on the side that was closest to the street um, and inside this gated uh, facility, which it needed to be gated for security reasons. Um, Russia um, is not a low crime area or Moscow is not a low crime area. Um, and Russia is not low crime. Um, you know, and it needed to be gated for various reasons, drunk drivers, um, you know, abductions, all sorts of craziness. I mean, we know how Russia is. Um, and I'll talk about Russia in just a second, but, um, you know, you went there, you did that thing and yeah, okay. It paid for some of that stuff, but you paid for your flight. You paid for all that stuff. So I raised money within the church that I went to, um, along with my family and, um, was able to go on these on these trips. The other ones my parents paid for out of their pocket. Now, is it education? Yeah, like the chalk art stuff. I learned um, really effective public speaking during that um, on top of the public speaking that I learned about um, before. And, you know, it, it was it was similar. Like I went through a um, I went through a, a, a political program um, that was established in Georgia um, where young people would come in and you'd spend uh, two weeks working at the Capitol, not working, but like learning about politics, grassroots politics. And you were learning about the workings of the Capitol and you sat in committee hearings and you did all these kind of things to learn about it. And I, that was probably one of the most impactful things in my life, um, that my parents put me through, but that was an education. Um, you know, I was not being educated while I was in Russia, I was, it was relying on me to do my own schoolwork and also to teach character education and English in orphanages outside of the orphanage that we were in, um, as well as the orphanage that we were in and work with people and do work on the grounds and things like that. So it was, that was a missionary thing. Um, and so I get the raising money of your, uh, on your own. Um, but it was a significant amount of money. We're talking, you know, 32, $3,300 that was raised, um, you know, over there. So, and again, we'll talk about Russia in just a second. So, um, but you had to pay to attend the seminars. Um, you had to pay to attend the education programs, the camps, the youth academies, and things like that. Um, again, I understand that aspect in the sense of keeping them running and things like that. But um, all of these programs were designed to further impact and further um, carry on the message that your parents were teaching you and to brainwash you even more, except now you're not underneath your parents, um, umbrella, you know, for, for instance, like your parents weren't there at chalk art. Their parents weren't there at the young men's counseling seminar. Your parents weren't there at alert. Your parents weren't there at the young, um, women's counseling seminars and things like that. They weren't there. So it, it, the group, then the organization, ATI, the people, the powers that be the people that were in control of the training centers, Bill Gothard, et cetera, were able to brainwash you, um, while you were there. And again, you were taught not to question authority. You were taught not to do all those things at home. So you wouldn't question them there. This is how some of these women, ended up in really bad situations because they weren't taught sex ed. They weren't taught what's wrong. They were just taught, this is what you do. Um, you, you know, you, you, you dress this way, you dress that way. They weren't taught that, you know, 
this is this is sex and this is not right. This is coming on to you. This is flirtatious. This isn't right. They were literally taught all these things that were wrong. And then you get put into a position where you are in an office with a high ranking authority um, or you were in the office of Bill Gothard and you were lightly groped um, or felt up or talked to in a certain way. And you, and it was like, well, I can't say anything because if I say something, that's bad. So that's the kind of stuff you had to deal with. Now, to be officially enrolled in ATI, the husband, the wife, and the children had to attend the basic seminar and the advanced training seminar. Okay. Now, if your kids weren't old enough to attend the basic seminar, the advanced training seminar, that's, that was excluded. But the people that were eligible to attend both of those, you had to, you had to attend both of those before you were eligible to be in it. And like I said before, no TVs in the home. If there was a TV, it was for educational purposes, like watching the VHS tapes or whatever. But um, the TV was put away or closed up. You know, you weren't tied into satellite TV or or cable TV or um, antenna TV. Uh, keep in mind, guys, I'm I'm 39 years old, so you know some of these things didn't exist when when I was young. So it, it was all variant. You know, you didn't use the internet. The internet was not used at all. My dad had to have internet in the home because my dad worked from the home um, for a good majority of his career when I was young. Um, and into his retirement. So we had internet in the home, but we weren't supposed to use it. Um, you know, you had to create banners and posters and your projects and everything. So it, it, again, there were things that I learned that were good. Aside from the scriptural stuff, there were things that I learned that were good. Things like project management, writing papers. I mean, that was one of the things when my parents sent me to an outside program, um, and we won't talk about that program because we're not we're not addressing that right now. But they sent me to a program that was designed for homeschool students in the state of Georgia that was designed to give them a classroom setting for classes, much like you would take a college course from college. So like, let's say you're an individual and you wanted to learn better public speaking. You don't have to go get a degree to learn public speaking. You could actually go and take a public speaking course from a college. You could do that. There's, there's nothing that's holding you back. So they paid for us to go to chemistry, anatomy, physiology, biology, um, uh, creative writing. Um, there was an acting one that I was involved in, you know, stuff like that. Theater is what it was. And don't judge me. Yes, I was in Little Women. Um, much to my chagrin, I was in Little Women. Um, but we learned about those things. All right. And we learned writing and project management and, you know, understanding what you're doing in self-study and things like that. So that was valuable. It was the actual program itself, the, the very judgmental, hypocritical, legalistic program that we were in that caused that problem. It wasn't the the basic fundamental skills that we learned, it was the deeper aspect of it. Um, you know, you, you had to, kids could only act uh, and interact with their gender specific peer groups. Now, when you were in Children's Institute or whatever, when you were in the advanced training program or the IBLP program, and if you guys remember, I talked about Children's Institute, you, when you were young, you were amongst groups of um, it was intersex groups. So you had males and females in the group, right? And then once you got to a certain age, then they separated them. That's when they separated the groups. It was, um, 
you're about 13, 14, 15 years old, depending on your, according to the parents and their appeal to IBLP and ATI, um, it, it depended on your maturity level, which was subject to whatever the program felt and how your parents worded how they thought you were mature, you could participate in um, the older programs and those programs were segregated. They would have a major meeting where everybody was in it, but then they would separate, all right, the men go here, the women go here. And that's the way they looked at it. They didn't say boys and girls, they said men and women, young men, young women. Um, they didn't use the word teenager. They didn't like the word teenager. Um, there was something about, I, I don't know what it was, but they would use young men, young women. They would not say teens. Um, teens was referred to as somebody that was secular. So outside the program, you were a teen inside the program, you're a young man or young woman. Um, nobody ever addressed you like, Oh, so are you in your teens? They'd say, um, Oh, you're a young man. What is your age? You know, and things like that. They were very specific about that stuff. Um, but it was freeing them from distractions. So they'd go through the military program for the boys, um, like alert, um, women would go through you know, a program where they learned how to sew and sit quietly and listen. Um, the The thing is, is the idea was the practice was hating who you are at your innermost. Like, I, I know it sounds harsh to say it that way, but it was your desires. If they didn't, if you're a young woman, your desires of doing something other than sewing, you know, I'm going to use that as an example. I'm going to use that as an example here. And this is going to sound really harsh. And I know I'm going to get some people coming at me for this one. Let's say you're a female in this program. They would say, you need to learn how to sew. You need to learn how to knit. You need to learn how to cook and provide for your home. Because remember what I said before, you know, a higher education for a female is frowned upon because why are you going to use that? If you're going to be an at home mom, um, what if you're a female and you enjoy volleyball? You enjoy sports like basketball, volleyball. You're more interactive. You're, you're, you come from a farming family and you love being on the farm. You love taking care of animals. You want to be a vet. You want to go to work and work with animals. Well, it was one of two things. Either there's something wrong with you or you're going to be single your whole life because you're not a homemaker. Like, what the fuck? What the fuck? And like I said, this all came out of the wisdom booklets and supplementary packets that they had and the theology that was, you know, in that. And, and again, with that approach, and this is how it, it differs from the traditional, what they would do is they would take the things like language, archaeology, art, biology, uh, physics, economics, logic, health, chemistry, geology, government, history, grammar, all that stuff, and they would bring it right back to the Bible, which there is nothing wrong with using the Bible as an addition to those things, not as the only way. And again, I'm a Christian, guys. I'm a Christian. But my whole thing is that is a guide. That is a pathway and a guide in my spiritual life. And I can use it in my my physical life and my, my thinking. But the Bible, the last time I checked, there is nothing in the Bible that teaches chemistry. Because if you want to explain how Jesus turned water into wine, there ain't nothing in there on how he did it. It was a miracle. How are you going to teach chemistry out of that? How is chemistry going to work in that? 
you know, you take, you know, some people talk about Gideon. Oh, it was a miracle. It was, this is how it doesn't work in science. Okay. It doesn't work in science. The story behind Gideon, for those of you who don't know, Gideon had an army and they approached the, the enemy and they, and Gideon was scared of attacking the enemy because they were outnumbered like hundreds to one. And it was okay. He, he questioned God and he said, God, if this is really what I'm supposed to do, I'm going to put a fleece, i.e. A, a lamb's wool on the ground. And in the morning, if the lamb's wool is dry, but the ground is wet with dew, then I'll know that's what you want me to do. Well, that's what happened. Then the next day he was like, you know what? I'm not really 100% sure about it. How about the lamb's wool has dew on it and the ground doesn't? And the lamb's wool had dew and the ground didn't. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, that's, you know, science, that doesn't work. It's true. It doesn't work. But there's no biological reason and explanation for a miracle. Just like people don't have the explanation nowadays. Why is it that my father, who was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic and fucking liver cancer, was given three to six weeks to live and he's still alive today, a year, almost two years later? That's a miracle. There is no biological science behind it that says this is going to happen. What is science behind it is the doctor that's doing chemo and radiation on my dad. And there's a science behind why my dad is still alive. And by the grace of God, he still is, which I am so grateful for because I don't know what I would do without my dad. My dad is such an integral part to my, my life. And I love my father so much that I am grateful that he's still alive. And I see that God is using doctors to keep him alive, not some sort of weird science out of the Bible that says, this is the science of the Bible. And this is how it works. You can't explain miracles with science. So why are we trying to take biology and chemistry and apply it back to the Bible to say, this is the way it is. That is some bullshit. law of the Bible. They talk about law in the Bible. Okay. Our laws in today's society, whether you live in Russia or you live in fucking Iran, Afghanistan, you live in South America, you live in Canada, you live in the United States. They all differ And our basic principles of our country are built around the basic principles of the 10 commandments because of our founding fathers being the religious people that they were. Our basic, basic, basic law principles are built around that, but the interpretations have exceeded that so far that our law libraries are massive. And we're going to apply what's in the Bible to that. It doesn't work. It, like, it, it does in some cases. It, do, it definitely does in some cases. Murder is murder. You, you committed murder, you're done. But the thing is, is you can't sit there and tell me that a lawyer is going to walk into a, a, a courtroom and defend his client or her client based on pulling a Bible out of their briefcase and saying, this is it. All other principles, all other rulings, all other findings in law in the United States do not apply because I'm using the Bible alone. That doesn't work. Yet that's what they want to use. That's how they want to say it. And if it doesn't, then you appeal it. We have the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals for a reason. You appeal a decision. But those decisions aren't solely based around the Bible. All right? What they're wanting to do is they're wanting to apply a strict legalistic 
judgmental mindset where they say, and this is truly what I believe and what I have seen to be the mindset is our way or the highway. That's their mindset. If it's not this way, then it's wrong to current law, current society, current everything. I'm going to use the Duggars as an example or the Bates or any one of these families as an example. If you are in the household where they have followed this ATI curriculum to the letter, you cannot move out of the home and live on your own unless you are married. You're supposed to live in your parents' home. So let's take Jana Duggar, who's in her 30s, who is still living at home under her parents' rule and control, and she's a full-blown fucking adult. Full-blown fucking adult. So that's what I'm talking about with like the legalistic aspect of it. The ATI curriculum starts by focusing on, and this is directly from ATI's stuff, okay? This is directly from them. The ATI curriculum focuses on specific passages of scripture after each person has a basic understanding of the passage. The passage is then explored through linguistics, history, law, science, and medicine. The primary objective is studying each subject in, uh, is to discover deeper truths in the passage. There are also two secondary objectives. The first is to grow in wisdom, to comprehend the particular academic subject from God's perspective. The second is to understand the application of the subject. So having said that and taking that little, that little approach, and I'm reading directly from their material. Okay, guys, I'm reading direct. That was directly from their material. When you, when you take something like the Bible, you have to see it as word. Okay. You have to see it as words. So let's say I am an individual and I get up and I'm running for office and I, or I'm, I'm talking at a conference or I'm doing public speaking or I'm doing, um, life coaching or something of that magnitude. Right. And I tell somebody you need to do X, Y, Z. I'm literally telling them you need to do X, Y, Z about whatever problem they brought up, or I'm addressing what I'm talking about. I'm not asking you to read into it and go, oh, well, that applies to the medical side. That applies to law. That applies to um, linguistics. That applies to science. You know, I'm telling you simply, this is what it means for your situation. I'm not telling you to hyperanalyze something and try to make it fit a narrative. That's what legalistic and hypocritical people do. That's why so many people have gotten away from formal religion. I myself am a non-denominational. I was raised in a Methodist church and I'm non-denominational for that reason because I did not agree with the Methodist theology and the infighting within the Methodist church on what I believe. And I'm not going to go into my beliefs, but there's a lot of things that I believe that don't line up with it a lot. Um, it's just like, for instance, um, you know, with, with, the uh, LGBTQ plus. I love LGBTQ plus. I love people no matter what. If you're gay, you're straight, you're trans, you're bi, you're, you're queer. I don't care. I don't because the Bible that I read says that I'm supposed to love everyone. It's not my place to judge. Maybe I'm the one who's wrong. Maybe they're the one who's wrong, but that doesn't matter. What is wrong is for me to judge that person when that's not my place to judge. So many people don't see it that way. 
there uh, and this program is a huge 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 example of people that do not see people that way it is very much the if you agree with me i love you if you don't then fuck you attitude so going back to this um it's not hyper analyzing it. Not everything means it. And notice what it says by focusing on a specific passage of scripture. They don't focus on everything in scripture. They don't focus on everything around scripture. They focus on a specific passage. They've picked and chosen what applies and they don't, they don't go from there. You know, they, it's funny because they use, they use the Bible in the new Testament very, very strongly. Okay, so I'll give you an example here. Um, they use the Old Testament as, you know, hey, this is this is uh, pick and choose. This is what you should do. This is what you shouldn't do. Yet in the Bible itself, Jesus, the Bible that they follow along, the Bible that they that they prescribe to says that Jesus said that he came to fulfill the law. That. That's what applies. So if, if you're going to go based on what Jesus said, then why are you judging others? Why are you judging others? Why are you picking and choosing only to use the New Testament? It's, it's similar to the traditional old school Jewish faith, the strong Jewish faith of the New Testament does not apply yet because that hasn't happened. Traditional Jews do not believe that Jesus was anything other than a prophet. They crucified him. Okay, so they rely on the Old Testament and they prescribe to the Old Testament. It's the same concept, but in reverse. The whole, I mean, you can't just, if you're going to be a Christian, if you're a Jew, let's go back to this. If you're a Jew and you follow the Torah, that makes sense. But if you're a Christian and you follow the Bible, you have to take the whole thing. You can't just pick and choose what you want. That's what, that's what legalism and hypocrisy comes from is picking and choosing what applies to you and how to make it apply to everyone else. Now, going on, what is the goal of the education? This is, again, from their their teachings. To help sons and daughters be successful in life, the goal of the education must be greater than that of simply covering a set number of academic subjects. We must purpose to train up sons and daughters in such a way that they will be able to understand how to apply what they have learned to the challenges of life. Okay, cool. I mean, we can all agree to that. We can all agree to that. We're going to help our our children be successful in life. We, you know, it must, education can't be just biology, anatomy, physiology, chemistry, law, um, linguistics, economics. Um, It can't just be that. We have to teach them outside of that, right? We, We do. And we have to teach them manners. We have to teach them common sense. We have to teach them all those things. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. The, the statement that simply covering a set number of academic subjects may be a little bit harsh, but you know what? Overall, we can agree to that. And again, this is their way to get people in. It's like, hey, we're going to give you enough to entice you, and then we're going to drive it into you and make you fucking go with what we say. For this reason, the goal of ATI program surpasses that need of that it surpasses that of traditional education, i.e., traditional education is less than what we are. Again, going back to why my parents homeschooled me. My parents believed that they could provide a better education than what the public school systems around us could do. There were not private schools and Christian schools near where I lived when I was growing up. 
There weren't. They considered sending me to private and Christian schools as well as my brother and sister. But by the time they came around, we were so embedded into homeschooling that my parents were like, we're just going to keep going with this. They're used to it. We're going to keep going with it. You know, and, and you guys know as well as I do, with a child, consistency is key. Consistency is very key. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not from a broken family, but I, I, I have been divorced and it is very difficult on children to not have consistency. So consistency is key. And it goes on. For this reason, the goal of the ATI program surpasses that of traditional education. Maturity in young people is uh, revealed when they are wise enough to see the consequences of a decision beforehand and when they have the strength of character to make the proper choices, regardless of pressure or personal cost. The goal of ATI is mature youth who are equipped to change the world rather than adapt to it. Hmm. Now, do you need to adapt to the world? Yes. And for those that came out of the ATI program, like myself and like so many others that are no longer in the ATI program, the generation that was raised in the ATI program, the, you know, my generation that was raised in the ATI program, a huge majority, huge, and I don't know the specific number, but I know a huge majority of them did not continue with ATI. And even some of them have not even continued with homeschooling. Like for me, I, I can't homeschool my kids. I love my kids. I don't have the patience. I don't care how many kids I did or did not have, how many kids I could or could not have, which I'm not going to have anymore, but I could not homeschool my kids. I don't have the patience for it. My hat is tipped to my parents because they had the patience for it. I don't. I don't have the patience for it. I have the patience to help with homework. I have the patience to sit down with my kid and help them through those things in school, but I do not have the patience like a normal parent should. I don't have the patience to sit down with my kids and teach them five, six, seven hours out of the day in, in those subjects, nor do I have the knowledge. I, I, I would like to think that I'm a, I'm a smart guy. I would like to think that I have some sort of brain power, but I certainly don't have the tools and things necessary to do that. So going to like what my parents did when it came down to creative writing, when it came down to anatomy, physiology, biology, chemistry, etc., my parents sent us to a program that was taught in a private school by educators, like actual educators, people that went to school for it, teachers, like chemistry, biology, and anatomy physiology. For instance, my chemistry teacher was a chemistry teacher that, um, that taught, but was a research chemist for a major, major, major company. And she taught us chemistry and she applied it to me because I didn't like math. I hated math guys, math. Like I want to find the dude to put letters and numbers together and, and tell him to go fuck off because seriously, who cares? Physics made sense to me. Economics and, and, and statistics made sense to me because I could see it. But when it came to like the letters and numbers stuff, uh-uh, no, 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 no. I, there is no way I'm getting into some like theoretical physics and stuff like that. Like if, if I could see cause and effect, it made sense. I'm very right-brained, okay? But she knew um, for a fact that I was that way. And I, I, I'm not all about the math stuff, right? So she equated a lot of chemistry to food 
which I understand and enjoy immensely and, and love. So there was this, this aspect of understanding because of that. So, I mean, those type of things were really, really awesome for us as, as, you know, students, um, with the way my parents were. And I'm, I'm cool with that. That's the way it should be. But like I said, I don't have that patience to homeschool my kids. So like I, you know, I'm full circle back here. Um, you know, that, that whole, you know, generation that I was in many, many, many have not stayed with IBLP and ATI. Hence the dropout of, of that and why the organization itself has shrunk so incredibly in the fact that most of the people that are in ATI now are new families. They're not um, the, uh, you know, established families, I guess, um, and and reoccurring families where people are coming back. So um, that's why you see that dropout. And a lot of that has to do with the teachings, Um, you know, so let's let's go into this a little bit further, like who Bill Gothard is. And I, I covered this in the last one, but, you know, we're looking at, you know, an 80 plus year old man who founded this and he's, you know, on leave and all that other stuff. Well, not on leave. He no longer is a part of ATI, BLP in leadership because of his indiscretions um, and all this stuff that are going on. And the the days of the 70s and 80s and and 90s are are behind him like that popularity and everything like that's behind him so um you know hearing him speak and and whatnot like that is is a big far gone thing um you're looking at a couple hundred people not thousands and thousands and thousands so his mindset was you know christ is the head which i mean if you're if you're christian or whatever um, that that's the uh, the main umbrella. They called them umbrellas of protection is what they called um, the stuff in the IBLP ATI thing was umbrellas of protection. So there's Christ over the top of you. Then there's the husband that uh, protects the family and provides for the family. And then the wife um, is responsible for children and manages the home. And, you know, that, I don't know. I mean, I get that, um, you know, there's these umbrellas and, the and you know, the husband and the father does this stuff and protects the family and everything as far as its basic function and form. But, you know, so many people, so many mothers have to work. And, you know, these are not homes where it is viable for the mother to stay home. Um, the concept of old school, 19th century, 18th century family structure is not the way it is nowadays. And, um you know, that's, that's the way they function. Um, but then they turn around and they do stuff where they say, oh, well, the older children are responsible for raising and taking care of the younger kids. Now, don't get me wrong. My parents, you know, they had us do our schoolwork and then my brother would check my schoolwork for, you know, incorrect answers and stuff like that while my mom was teaching my sister or whatever the case may be. And that's cool. Um, that helps the child learn and function. It's a little bit different function than what's in the public or private school sector. But we're talking about raising children, teaching them and raising them, which is ridiculous. But despite of his strict gender hierarchy, um, he's he, he was all about being this like bachelor and um, and and being this you know untouchable godlike figure. Which don't get me wrong, again, a lot of people, a lot of people put him on that pedestal, but he also did not take himself down off that pedestal. He allowed himself to have this godlike, um, this, you know, up on a pedestal, like 
persona. And he didn't take people, he didn't take himself down for that. Um, that's for sure. So when you look at what he tells people to believe and, and tells people to understand and whatnot like that, um, he, he talks about everything else other than Christianity as being evil. And there's plenty of philosophies that are outside of Christianity that apply to life, um, that apply to the function of life um, and, and how you function in your day-to-day aspects and understanding authority and law and economics, etc. So the lessons themselves consist of really forced attempts and inserting some sort of traditional education of the Bible into their philosophies and teachings. So like one of them, how the Socratic method of reasoning comes from a sodomite manner of living. So Socrates, you know, how it tells them, you know, how we were taught was, you know, visualizing the consequences of lust and then how the prime numbers, um, how prime numbers, and this is no joke, guys, this is a quote from their philosophies here. How do prime numbers illustrate the principle of one flesh in marriage? Look, people have different lifestyles. Again, it's not for me to judge. You know, I'm, I, I don't, I don't understand the philosophy of having multiple wives or um, whatever. I don't, I don't, I'm not a polygamist. Um, you know, if you want to be in a polygamous lifestyle, then that's you. Do you do what works for you and your husband or your partner or your wife or whatever. Um, but that's just not for me. Um, uh, like I, I'm going to, I'm going to read you some of the stuff out of the wisdom worksheets. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of read some of this. So the wisdom worksheet, um, this one was about Matthew 5, 27 and 28. So two, two verses, and I'm going to read the verses to you. Uh, we have heard that it has been said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh upon a woman to lust after her has committed adultery in her heart already. Um, and it, it goes on. It says, lust uh, has the capability of conquering any man. Um, lust conquered the strongest man who ever lived, Samson. Lust drew away the uh, the wildest or the, the wisest man who ever lived, Solomon. And lust um, defiled, defiled a man after God's own heart, David. Yet Jesus was born into David's bloodline, um, you know, a, in the Bible. Um, and then it, it breaks down linguistics and it looks at Greek and Hebrew. In this case, it looks at Greek, which was what the Bible was originally translated into. Um, and it looks at the words that whoever looketh woman, lust, adultery, heart. This is at a, this is, excuse me. This is directly out of a wisdom booklet. I think it's wisdom booklet 24. Um, history. It looks at how does a man's morality dictate his philosophy? And it looks at Plato. And then how were civilizations destroyed through lust? Um, and then it looks at science. Uh, does God compare a simple young man to an ox going through to slaughter? Um, how does a deer differ from an ox in the face of danger? So they actually are saying that an ox that goes to slaughter is strong and it's also fearless and it's, you know, all these things and it's strong and it will fight violently. On the other hand, the ox is not um, considered to be a very bright animal. Whereas the deer is, I'm like, motherfucker, I hunt for deer. Yeah, they're smart, but they taste good. And it, and it talks about when the deer, um, you know, is around, it's attentive to only its, its single source. And, 
Um, how is pornography a destroyer of men and marriages and families and, and whatnot? Again, I will reiterate time and time again, y'all, that um, the excess use of anything is going to cause problems. You know, using things the way they should not be intended for, overuse of things, drinking too much Coca-Cola, um, drinking too much alcohol, things like that can cause problems. Um, and everything is tied into scripture. So that's the law category. The law category is how is pornography destroyer of men's marriages, families, and, and, and relationships. And that's under the law, which is government and economics is what they classify it under. And there is not a single thing listed here other than scriptures. And all those scriptures that are listed, it says it destroys um, a man's love uh, for God and his wife and his children. And the scripture list is Matthew 24, 12. And besides, um, I can't read it here, but um, the love of many shall wax cold. So you can't love too many people because if you love too many people, it'll wax cold. I'm like, how does that fucking I, I, I equate to pornography? What if you have 19 kids? Aren't you, are, are you only supposed to love five? Looking at you, Duggars. Um, you know, how does, and then medicine, how does lusting after a woman create um, hormonal imbalance in a man's body? Wait, I can't lust after my wife? Isn't that normal? Like, I love her, but I can't lust after her? Is that what you're teaching me, Bill Gothard? Like, how can, I mean, seriously. Seriously, guys, like you look on somebody that's pretty. If I, if you were in the organization and you said that somebody was pretty, that was wrong. I'm not joking. You guys, it was wrong. It was wrong to say that someone else of another sex was pretty. You couldn't do that because that's lusting after them. So it it would be like going into an art museum and you have created your own art at home And if you go into an art museum and you look at art and you were to say it's pretty, that it's wrong because it's not your art. I can look at another human being and say, well, that's a pretty person. That's a beautiful person. They're very attractive. But saying that someone was attractive was saying that you were lusting after them. And, And they would even, they'd even go into, they, they listed this, not just lust, a a man looks lustfully on a woman a flood of impulses travel through the optic nerve and back to the brain as a result and they and it affects other bodily functions it doesn't list what they it doesn't say you get a heart on it doesn't say for a woman that they get like turned on um recent studies revealed that a significant um correlation between high testosterone levels and those who commit violent crimes oh my fucking god Oh my God. So if you're a bodybuilder and you have high testosterone in your system because you're a bodybuilder and you naturally have high testosterone, um, you are going to make commit crimes. If you have a low sexual appetite and a low appetite to have sex and do what they tell you to do is have sex and have children, but they don't say have sex. You're supposed to have relations and have children that you, you're, you're going to commit violent crimes. Because you have high testosterone and have a high desire to have intercourse with your partner, you're a criminal. You have a propensity to commit crimes. So you must be a bland, dead, 
in the fucking groin person and you must have sex only to have children um, because otherwise it's, it's, it's bad. Lust can be, and this is from that, lust can be overcome by entering into the victory of Christ through salvation and integrating Romans 6 and 8 into his soul. And they flat out say it, memorization and meditation. Guys, the last time I checked, memorizing something doesn't make it like a part of you. That's head fucking knowledge, man. That's head knowledge. And then they say meditate on it. Like that's congratulations. I can memorize a I can memorize fucking I can memorize something out of out of any book and it not mean anything. It just means I can quote it. And they're like, oh, you're supposed to meditate on it and apply it. And this process will recharge strong physical drives into fountains of creativity and spiritual power that will flow from your body, your being. And that's according to John 738 for them. Again, all of this ties back in and it's like, this is absurd. It's just factually inaccurate that, I mean, are you serious? It's counterintuitive. It's, it's wrong. Um, and, and educating, educating people that way and saying that if you turn your lust into this, that you'll become a creative person and you're good. And if you have high testosterone and you have a high sex drive, you're evil. Like, are you fucking kidding me? That's unhealthy. That's unhealthy. Like, you've got to be kidding me, man. Like, again, excessive use of, of these things is, is not healthy. Just like with anything else, you, you know, drinking alcohol excessively is not healthy. But you want to tell me that going to a weekly message online from Bob Newhouse and Gary Fraley and doing these wisdom booklets and paying thousands of dollars to reprogram my mind isn't brainwashing? you got to be fucking kidding me. You've got to be absolutely fucking kidding me. I don't understand it. And this is the thing. This is the fundamentalism and the legalism and the hypocrisy that goes into this fucking program where they sit there and they say, oh, it's going to be okay. Everything is going to be fine. Like, are you serious? Like you're hurting people. You know, this, this, this mindset of keep having children until you can't have children because God won't let you have kids. If you keep having kids almost killed many women. Because the father can, and I'm going to use this very strongly. I'm going to use this very, very strongly and say that the father can have sex, can rape his wife. If she says, I don't want to have more kids, he can do it because he's the head of the household and says, well, what goes by me goes and you have to follow under my command. You have to do what I say. And I've seen this time and time again where the woman will bring up something and it's like, well, you're underneath my umbrella. You do what I say. You do what I'm what I tell you. And let's go, let's go into this. So I'm going to talk about this stuff a little bit on my own personal experience. And again, this is going to be a long podcast. But we'll we'll talk about going to going to um you know these seminars. And they would teach you, you know, you don't kiss anybody until um, your first day of marriage. 
you want you want to know why it's so awkward to see fucking these people interact with each other physically? It's because they can't hold hands until they're engaged. They side hug each other. We see it all the time. You can't front hug someone because that could create lust. That could be a downfall. You can't give somebody a hug with both your arms. You got to do it from the side, including males and males. Males and males. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ. There's been many times when, you know, women have been, um, you know, targeted by the program because maybe they were curvy. Um, you know, they had a chest or they had hips or whatever, and their clothing was too tight. And it's like, dude, nobody makes standard clothing. Nobody, you know, that fits a, that fits a, a curvier woman that's not going to reveal breasts or hips. But they were targeted for that. Guys were targeted for wearing clothing like polo shirts where the, the fucking sleeves didn't cover the biceps enough. Like biceps? Are you fucking kidding me? Like it's absolutely ridiculous. And, and you know, the whole dating aspect of it and coming around to the dating aspect, this is where it got to me. So when I dated the first girl I dated, you know, we had to be under the, under the parental, you know, guidance. And, and I did not date somebody that was within the organization. Um, but you know, I had to talk to her father and had to do that stuff. But that's the thing. Like it's been documented so many times where a man has to go to the father and, and it's up to the father. If it's in God's will, the father of the, the, the teenage woman or the young woman or whatever term you want to use for it. If it was in their will, or if it was in God's will for them to to court each other, not date, court each other. And both fathers had to make the arrangement and they would allow, be allowed to be in this courtship that, that had the intent of leading to marriage. I'm not saying that you can't date the first person that you come across and, and get married to them. But what if that doesn't work out? What if you, what if you end up in a relationship and you find out you don't jive with each other and you do, you want to break it off? Then you're ostracized because you broke off the, broke off the engagement or broke off the courtship. And if you're not ostracized, you're, you're frowned upon because, you know, the fathers saw that it was in God's will that you do that. And it's a closely supervised courtship. Like you've seen on TV, you know, siblings are there or you're under the parent's eye or you're doing double dates with parents. You can't get to know that person. You know what I mean? And then once you're, you know, once you're in that, um, you know, it's concerning if you're in your, in your mid twenties and you're not married, by the way. Um, it is concerning. It's like, you know, what's wrong with you? Um, and it's like, nothing's wrong with me. I don't want to get married yet, you know, or I just haven't found the right person or whatever the case can be, or I don't want to deal with the fathers or whatever it is, you know, it's just, you know, one of those things. Um, you know, what, what man wants to be grilled by two different fathers on whether this woman is right for you and then be under close, ridiculous supervision and not be able to have personal conversations with them because you're afraid to have personal conversations because it might cross the line of lust or whatever the case may be, right? Um, you're a female and, and, you know, you may be a great person, but nobody has the fucking balls to go and talk to your dad because he's an asshole or whatever the case may be, you know? So then, you know, you, you develop these really skewed ideas of what a healthy relationship should be like. Um, and then, you know, it comes time for marriage and, um, you know, this was not the case with me because I'm going to, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, the girl and I snuck around, um, and we did stuff, you know, we, we snuck around and it forced us 
into a situation, or at least me into a situation where I had, I felt like I had to be secretive <coughs> about doing things because I didn't want my parents to know because I didn't agree with it. You know what I mean? So then um, it comes down to marriage. And what you see so often is they're at the altar and, you know, you may kiss the bride and it's this weird, awkward kiss and because, you know, no physical interaction. And she feels weird because she's like, oh, my God, I'm doing something wrong. And he is a male and he wants more to do with her. And, it, you know, it's just weird thing. And then there's this this pressure to have this relationship. And, you know, oh, you can't use you can't use, um, you know, any sort of birth control. So probably if you can figure out how to do the whole sex thing um and i'm using terms that are kind of conducive to their language uh if you figure out how to do this whole sex thing and you know what goes into where and you know you're not totally confused or you know, whatever um you end up having a baby right off the bat which is not good for any new relationship. You guys are just getting to know each other. You guys haven't lived together. You guys don't know each other from Adam's house cat. You've probably been courting each other for six or less months. You've probably been engaged for three months because boom, now you're married and you've been together for like less than a year and you don't know anything about each other. And it'd probably be really good if you guys were in a relationship in a home together, learning about each other before you have a fucking kid. Um, but then, you know, there's, you know, the woman, does whatever the man wants and you know that's that's how it's going to work um you know but you know they they do they do this whole marriage thing and they get into it and you know the women don't know what's going on and the men don't know what's going on because there's no sex ed and there's no responsibility and you know there's no really working on the relationship because, oh, wait, you don't have to because you're both thinking on the same plane and the woman is supposed to be subservient to the man. And then that's the way it goes. The funny thing is, is, you know, Bill Gothard single has 30 plus women come forward saying they were sexually abused by him often as young people or teenagers. Um, you know, and he explained it as, you know, being, you know, free of, free of, you know, temptation, blah, blah, blah. And if a woman was single, they were set, um, they were set apart by God to be single. And, um, and he was set apart by God to be single or men are set apart by God to be single. So that, uh, that freed them from the obligation of getting married. And, and those are his words, obligation of getting married. Um, you know, that's, that's the way they do things. Um, that's the way they think. So, you know, you get into, you get into the program and this is, this is the mindset. So then you get out into the real world and you don't want to be a part of the program anymore, such as I, um, and you have this really skewed idea of what relationships should be, you know, much less the, the physical aspect of it, but what a relationship should be. And you don't jive with somebody or you're learning stuff and you feel you, you honestly feel like you're five years old and you, you're learning how to ride a bike because you have no idea yet you are in your 20s and you don't know how to actually have a normal, healthy relationship. You know what I mean? Um, you know, we would go into, you know, places like uh, doctor's offices or, or in our case, we went to orthodontist a lot or whatever. And you'd see these teen magazines. You'd see these these women that were dressed um normal for world standards, maybe even scantily, but normal for world standards. And, you know, you felt dirty sitting in there 
um, because, you know, oh my God, you're lusting, you know, like you couldn't look at anything um, without it being evil. So then it, it brought up the, it brought up the, the concept in my mind where it's like, if you tell a child not to eat cookies on a counter, the first thing the child wants to do is eat those cookies. If you tell the child, Hey, look, you can have as many cookies as you want. Um, or you can have cookies, you can eat them or whatever the case may be. I just want to know when you're eating them, just ask for permission. You know, like you don't have to steal them or anything like that. It's cool if you eat cookies, it's, I'm fine with it, but don't, um, don't eat them without asking me because I want to know if you have an allergic reaction or if you're choking or whatever. I just want to know why. And that's why the child is less likely to want the cookies. They're like, oh, okay, it's cookies up there. It's cool. You know, you tell someone they can't have something. That's the one thing they want to run to. And this, and it's funny because if you go back to the podcast where I originally started talking about this and the daughter of the, of the alert leader, um, you know, getting in trouble for sex and stuff like that and getting caught, you know, it was so frowned upon that it was like the one thing you wanted to do. Um, but this, this idea is, is absolutely asinine. So that causes you to have bad relationships and it, it causes you to have a very piss poor idea of, of what a relationship should be when you're in marriage and you get into marriage and you, you're, you know, what if somebody is not of that, right? You get out of that, you get out of that lifestyle and you're like, you know what? I'm going to have a normal, healthy relationship. I'm going to date somebody that's outside of the relationship. I'm going to date them, not court them. I'm not going to be with somebody for three months and decide to propose to them. I'm actually going to have a normal relationship and everything like that. The problem is, is those people that weren't in the, in the community that understand what a, what a decent relationship should be, um, or how conventional dating goes, you don't jive with that person and you have issues and you have misunderstandings and whatnot like that, or, you know, whatever, because you don't know what you're doing. Um, and it, and it caused people like myself to run so far away from what the homeschool ATI IBLP image was that we, we went far opposite. We swung to the other side of, you know, um, a lot of us did of, of getting into trouble or drinking or, you know, drug abuse or drug usage or, you know, being promiscuous or, you know, whatever the case may be more than what we ever would have. Um, because we wanted to, we wanted to know what it was like. The best way to describe it was like Rumspringer, um, for the Amish. It was the same concept. Um, you know, knowing that you can't like you, you shouldn't be involved in something that's so, fucking controlling that it it's it's absolutely asinine it's absolutely asinine so going to these um training centers and being at these training centers now you're under the control of somebody that's not your parents right and they've they've got some of these people had way stricter standards and, I, and i'm telling you way stricter right um it, i mean it would make your parent my parents at least look lightweight and, uh, and then you had to be underneath them and you didn't, um, you didn't, you know, subscribe to their mindsets and you didn't subscribe to, um, their teachings. And now you were rebellious and you were seen as rebellious and you were seen as a outcast or a misfit. Um, and you had, or like I did, I had interactions with Mr. Gargany, like I said before, where they were, they were verbally violent um, verbally violent interactions, um, on both sides from his side and mine, because it was, you know, 
you, you, we, we yelled at each other because I disagreed with them. And, you know, I was, I was seen as a, as a problem, um, you know, whatever. And I was seen as bad. Or like if you were in Knoxville, you know, you head to Knoxville and you'd have people writing on their windows, you know, Knoxville or bust or whatever. And, you know, the real ATI people, those were the leaderships. Um, and, and, you know, you went to these seminars and, you know, these real people, the real ones were close to Bill Gothard and all that type of stuff. And, and there was this, there was this fight internally, whether to be one of those or to be one of the cool kids that, you know, watched movies and ate pizza, um, like some sort of crazy person, you know, um, you drank soda and ate pizza and watched movies at the same time. And whoo, my God, whoa, you were rebellious. <laughs> it's like, that's rebellious. Holy fuck. Um, man, if they could only see me now covered in tattoos, dipping and drinking alcohol and listening to the best music on the face of the planet. Um, let's talk about that, you know, come on. So you go to these things and they'd have like the, um, junior alert programs. Like it was like, young, young boy alert program where, you know, you go into it and they had like, you know, competitions, very physical and stuff like that. It was like Boy Scouts on steroids almost. Um, but they'd have that. And then they'd have the girls one where the girls learn to sit pretty and fucking so shit. Um, and, uh, you'd come together and you'd sing together as a choir and all this other stuff. And it looks fucking it, it, it looks like you just took a page out of Leave It to Beaver and the Norman Rockwell paintings and put it into a conference and fucking added ridiculous, you know, rules to it. And that's the way the ATI IBLP training centers functioned. Um, you know, there were only a list of certain churches you could go to that were literally approved. You had to go to one of these approved churches and the churches, some of them were, some of them were super independent Baptist, you know, churches. There was one that I went to in Indianapolis, um, because it was the rebellious church. That's where all the rebels went because they actually had more modern music and the leadership didn't know about it because they didn't go to that church and nobody talked about it. It was kind of like fight club. Nobody talks about what happens at fight club. It was that same concept. We didn't talk about that church cause we didn't want it taken away because that was the one fucking time out of the week that we could actually be normal people. Um, and we would, we would live a, a fairly normal, um, day, um, or at least a morning going to church on a Sunday morning and they would bus us to the churches and then, you know, we'd stay there and, and do church and everything like that and then come back. And, you know, you had to fast and you couldn't eat on Sunday except for at night. They only have one, they only serve one meal. So if you wanted to eat, you better fucking have food in your room, um, you know, and eat. And then that was frowned upon. It was like, Oh my God, you're eating on a Sunday. What are you doing? Uh, you fast on Sundays. You don't eat. And I'm like, motherfuckers, I'm a growing young person. I need to eat. It's called sustenance. It's called, I am fucking starving. Um, you know, and, and they would do stuff like that. Uh, it, it was really common. And that's what happened in, in Russia as well. It was the same exact thing. I mean, if you, if you want to give these people one thing, it's fucking consistency. That is for sure. They were, they were consistently ridiculous. Um, so, you know, going to Russia and, and doing that, it was, you know, you were, you were in a different country out from underneath the direct supervision of Bill Gothard and his cronies, but still they were still super strict. I mean, I remember being in Russia wearing khaki pants because that was that, by the way, is their, their, um, casual attire, khaki pants and polo shirts was their casual or button downs was their casual attire. And if you wore khaki pants, you were cool. Um, 
and uh, you know, you had those and we had it during chalk art, like during a chalk art program, guys, same as in Russia during the chalk art program, it was dirty. I mean, like I'm telling you, like I had blue snot coming out of my nose for a week and a half afterwards because you're breathing in chalk and all this other stuff. You know, we wore gas masks and face coverings and stuff like that because like it was, you know, you can get 30 people all sanding down blue chalk on pieces of paper and it gets dusty and dirty in there. But, um, you know, we were, we were allowed to wear khaki pants and polo shirts, but then we had to change out of those and go to dinner and go to meals. Um, other than lunch, breakfast and lunch, we didn't have to, but we had to go to dinner dressed up in a suit and a tie. Um, so you're covered in blue dye or blue chalk or whatever it's in your pores. Um, and then you had to go up, take a shower and then you had to come down, um, looking like a blue fucking Smurf and sit at dinner in a suit and tie and mess up your, your, you know, your dress shirt because you had to wear a white shirt. Um, you know, it was just stuff like that. It was absolutely ridiculousness. And they, again, they weren't as strict in Russia, but still it was the same concept in Taiwan. It was far less strict. We actually had jeans. We were wearing jeans and stuff like that, but we still had to wear button downs. And, and God forbid, if Bill Gothard knew we were wearing jeans, we'd probably get, you know, I don't know, burned at the stake. Um, but that was the idea behind it. It was complete and utter control. And the thing is, is what I realized, you know, stepping out of it from the backside of it, looking back in on this, the people that were in charge of these training centers, the people that were in charge of these floors where the juvenile delinquents were, the people that were in charge of certain programs had a fucking major power problem. They had a major power problem. They wanted to be in control. They got an opportunity to control young people and they took it. They loved it. They were fucking manipulative, narcissistic people. Every fucking one of them. Every fucking one of them, with the exception, with the exception of a few small ones, with a with the with the extreme exception of a few a few small ones, and those were the ones that we all loved, and that's the funny part about it. The ones that that came from the outside, if you will, that were less strict and and more like, hey, look, we're gonna have a good time in here, and we're gonna do our thing. Um, those were the ones that we all loved. And the funny thing is, is it was just a little baby glimpse of what freedom actually was. But their teaching was freedom comes within all of this. I'm like, no, that's not. That's religious zealots. You're a religious fucking zealot. And it's ridiculous. Um, guys, this goes all the way back to infants. The goal is to train your baby to stay on a blanket. So no matter where you went, you could pull out the blanket, put your kid down and not have to worry about your baby proofing your area or your child crawling into, into harm's way. In order to do this, you had to spend some time rather intensive training on your child by administering spankings every time they touch the floor off the blanket or pop their hand or whatever and, and swatting their hand. And that's disobedience. And they told us that Mothers who were mercies often, and that's, that's what they called them. They, you had mercies and you had judges, you had, you had prophets and judges and mercies and they had all these things, right? Which basically if you're a prophet or you were a judge, it gave you the opportunity or, or condoned your, your abuse, your verbal or physical abuse. And women who are mercies often have trouble doing this because their spiritual gift is mercy and they're weaker and more, more vulnerable. If you were a mercy, you were a vulnerable person. And, and, and these children, the infants, were the ones that were the problem and they needed to be trained. They need to be raised that way. But that continued on into your older age. 
then it became biblical chastisement and you know in the sense of oh well you've got to spank your child six times and then and then it became reproof and then personally it, it on on my level um having seen this afterwards and looked at it it's like are you are you fucking kidding me are are you kidding me like they had the excel program let's talk about the excel program for for a second excel was for um basically you were working and learning at the same time <coughs> you were a student employee you paid them to go to a program that you had to work in and Excel was the one that did most of the work with the juvenile delinquents, Excel students. Um, it was an ultra controlling environment, super controlling. Like you had to study, you had to memorize a certain amount of scripture. You had to memorize specific scripture, um, stuff like that. Um, and, and, and go through that. You had to, you had to write down, um, you know, what you're learning and you had these booklets to go through and you had to, to work with people. And it, it was just, ridiculous but keep in mind that there were ridiculous rules and regulations going throughout the whole thing and when you volunteered and to go to excel you had to be accepted you had to be within a certain age group um you know lights out was at a certain time it was like 9 p.m um and then you know you were with a roommate and you worked with each other and you studied stuff and you had free time and you had to you had to you know do whatever you did in free time, which created clicks. Because if, let's say for me, I was in chalk art at the same time that an Excel program was going on and I would go to play ping pong um, in the Indianapolis training center. I go to play ping pong where they served the food lines, the cafeteria food style lines. I go to playing ping pong there once they clear out the tables. And if you weren't an Excel student, you couldn't play ping pong with them because they were cooler. It was the holier than thou team, you know, type of mentality. And they had this, like they had these team leaders and stuff like that. And these team leaders, guys, keep in mind, some of these team leaders were younger than some of the other people, but you had to submit to their authority. Like they put people that were 17, 18, 19, 20 years old in like high levels of authority. And you had to submit to their authority. You know, and, and like I said, in your in your free time, you weren't allowed to um, work on academic projects in Excel. So like you had to memorize scripture, you had to do all this stuff, but you couldn't do that on Sundays because Sundays are the Sabbath and you don't do that on the Sabbath. Um, you could only read Bibles or only read their approved books. And they had a library, but all their, everything that was in the library was nothing secular, nothing. You couldn't read Sherlock Holmes. You couldn't read... Charles Dickens, you can read anything like that, even though those are those are books that were not evil in any way whatsoever. You couldn't read those, but you couldn't like study either on Sunday. And you, you couldn't eat anything, like I said, until dinner time. So it was like a 24 hour fast. Right. And really long. You're tired. You're you know, you're you're wanting to be around people and you're wanting to do extra things, but you have no energy to do it. So it's it's all controlling. And, and you couldn't play basketball. You couldn't play sports. You could not do things on Sunday except for fucking sit around. And that's it. You're supposed to reflect. And it's like, dude, on Sunday, I may not take a nap, but I kind of want to do what I want to do. It was actually better for you to be at home. Because at least at home, if your parents weren't ridiculous, at least at home you could do whatever you wanted. 
You know what I mean? It, it was absolutely ridiculous. Um, I, I remember, I remember going to church after, after being in Indianapolis and going to some of these ridiculous churches, except for the one that I went to a few times and actually being glad to be at home where I, where it was strict. I'd much rather have been at home because at home, at least my parents were normal or at least more normal than what that was. What, what is normal? I mean, they, they had less standards. I should rephrase that. I won't say you're normal because what is normal? It's subjective, but I want to be at home. But I remember like, I remember my parents pulling us out of church services because the music had a backbeat to it and it was modern praise and worship. And we couldn't do that. It's praise and worship and it's modern, but we couldn't do that. I was involved in the sound ministry at our church. So like we were responsible for all the sound and stuff like at our church. And we had a large church and we did all the sound and the audio visual and stuff like that. And my parents wouldn't let me do the thing that I volunteered to do on Sunday mornings to help run the sound for the church during praise and worship because it had the, the music had a backbeat. I could go up there during the sermon, but I couldn't during praise and worship, which is where most of the sound stuff had to had to deal with. And it was embarrassing. It was incredibly embarrassing. You know, they have programs that taught you against these things. They have programs like to, 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 you know, how to conquer food addictions and avoid degenerative diseases. Seven reasons why this is important in their conference. They had seven reasons why you join it and things like a way of life. The world will want to copy. No, the fuck it won't. Why you don't marry a divorced man? How to prove God exists without faith in two minutes? It's this kind of stuff, guys. And and I'm not saying this to defend the Duggars or Josh Duggar in any way what so fucking ever. I'm not doing it to defend him. I'm doing it so that you guys have a better understanding because it is curious why this is not or why this is this is not seen as crazy, like off the wall, bizarre by their own family. Yeah. They've spoken out against it, but they, they, they haven't condoned it, but they certainly as fuck haven't said, fuck this dude. If you don't fit in the mold for controlling fathers, if you don't fit in the mold of submissive females, if you don't fit in the mold of not wearing makeup or, having a TV, you are an outcast. You're a rebel. You're wrong. You know, their whole thing was having this like cheery countenance and this bright countenance and this happiness and this joy. And it makes me sit back and I look at it now and I go, how much of that was fucking fake? Because I can tell you beyond a shadow of a motherfucking doubt that 90% of mine was fucking fake. The only time I had fun in that program was when I was able to hang out with my friends or people that I thought were friends, but how can they be friends if they were fake too? I don't talk to 99% of the people that I was in these programs with for one of two reasons. One, I don't know who they are and they don't know who I am because everything then was fake. Or two, we've just fallen out of contact with each other. And it's not because they're bad people. It's not because they're wrong. It's just we have fallen out of contact. Because those relationships that are built are built so weakly 
and are built on such a fucking sand-like quicksand foundation that none of it is real. It's all put on. It's all an act. And if it's not an act, these people have bought into it so much that they're absolutely fucking ridiculous. I know a family. I know a family that the mother had a child out of wedlock. They weren't married. And they weren't allowed in. They're Christians. They were a great family. Loving family. But the mother had her daughter when she was very, very, very young. And ATI wouldn't let them in. What kind of hypocritical bullshit is that, guys? It's pathetic. And I think what's going to happen is... I'm going to have to I'm going to have to do a third part to this. I'm going to have to do a third part to this podcast because we're almost at 2 hours again. And there's so much more to talk about. I can tell you unequivocally beyond a shadow of a doubt guys that this is therapeutic for me. To be able to get this off of my chest and be able to tell people about this is therapeutic for me. It's about time that this organization gets exposed by the people that were hurt by it. It's about time that the people that have been hurt, abused, taken advantage of, speak up and say something because this cannot continue. And it's not because of a hatred of our parents. Because I can, I can tell you that a good large majority of us would look back and see our parents were roped into it and were brainwashed. And they never would have done this if they knew the kind of hurt that it caused. I know a lot of our parents would have done it different. If not the whole thing, at least some of it. I know a lot of us also don't want to see kids continuously abused and females continuously abused and males brainwashed with this absolute garbage that they spew. Is it fully recognized as a cult? No, it's not. It is not, unfortunately. Will it ever be recognized as a cult? I don't know. But I can tell you Speaking on behalf of nobody in this program, except for the ones that I've spoken to and ones that I know personally, that all of us that have been in it would say it's a cult. Not because we were hurt by it. Not because we were abused by it. And not because we were treated poorly by it but because of everything they teach and everything they brainwash people with. If it walks like a duck, it quacks like a duck, it's a motherfucking duck. And I don't know of anyone except for those that have been truly brainwashed by it that would sit there and look back on this program, any one of us that are out of it now that would look back on this program And say, yeah, that was good. 
just like a lot of things, it had good aspects. Like I mentioned, living a responsible life, living a healthy life, things like that. And it should have been left alone, yet it wasn't. There were aspects that we learned, we gained friendships from. There were things that we learned that made us solid human beings. There were lessons learned where we know not to do that with our own children. But I can tell you as a man that was hurt by that program, as a man that had a warped sense of reality because of that program, as a man that's had to go through a lot of counseling because of that program, and as a man that in his late 30s finally started dealing with that hurt, mid to late 30s, finally started dealing with that hurt and really truly becoming the person that I know I am and finding myself, this program did so much damage. So much damage. And it continues to do damage to people because it's allowed to function under the same guise of being a nonprofit that helps people. And it's still functioning because the powers that be like to have the manipulative, narcissistic, controlling, legalistic control over people because of one passage of the Bible. As a Christian, it's wrong. As a human, it's wrong. And as a child brought up in it, it's even more wrong. It is fucked up. And it's time that this is brought to light. And it's time that the people that have been hurt by this program speak up and tell their stories so that they cannot continue to control, manipulate, and mindfuck people into being like this. It is sad and it is disturbing. I will definitely pull out more information and make a part three to this. And uh, if you guys have questions on the program, if you want more information, please shoot me a message at timeout with Josh on Instagram. I will be more than happy to talk about it. If you guys have other subjects you want me to talk about, please shoot me a message on those subjects and I'll be more than happy to talk about those subjects. I appreciate you guys listening. I appreciate you guys letting me heal through this podcast and letting me get this out. It means a lot. And I know it's entertaining and it's enlightening to some of you. But it means a lot to me, guys. We'll see you on the next podcast.